Alright everyone, hi there! This is Jimmy Russells from the SBC Gaming Discord and subreddit community. And I am happy, in fact honored, to go and have Russ from Retro Game Corps here, who's going to go and answer some of your questions. Hey guys, how's it going? So, um, before we go on there, Russ, if you want to go and tell us a little bit about what you, uh, about what you do and your website or any sure. links. Yeah. So, uh, so my website is retrogamecore.com, uh, core as in like Marine Corps. So C O R P S. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I basically focus on handheld retro emulation, specifically, uh, a lot of the Ambernic devices and just some of those other ones that have been coming out of China in the past year or two. I'm very kind of new still at all of this stuff. Actually, yesterday was the one year anniversary of when I bought the domain for that website. So been around for about a year now. Uh, didn't start actually making YouTube videos until, gosh, probably August, early September of last year. So almost a year of doing that as well. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. I just can't believe how much it's blown up. I started just by making guides only for one device, which was the RG350. And then it just kind of blew up from there. It's been awesome. Yeah, and I, I agree. It's been amazing to go and see how much uh, the whole handheld uh, sort of scene, I think, has really blown up since the pandemic. Because, I mean, what else is there to do? What else is there to do? You're stuck at home. So, yeah. might as well go and collect uh, emulation handhelds. You know, yeah. it's, it's just a I, logical I mean, next step. Yeah, I'm in that exact same boat. Like the reason I got a handheld device in the first place because I was stuck at home during a pandemic and just super bored. So yeah, uh, I started off with the RG350. I still have that. I love it, and I have uh, I have a Pocket BitBoy Pocket Go 2, which I do not love at all. Uh, <laughs> build quality is lackluster on that, and I also have a Retroid Pocket 2 a RG351P and a GameForce Chi. Nice. Yeah, so. Yeah, good collection. Mm -hmm. I did a recent review on the GameForce Chi. I know that you've uh, done reviews and guides. Very useful guides, mind you. Like, if there's someone who has really put in a lot of effort into his guides about specific devices, it's Russ. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, yeah. I really I'm I'm such a beginner at all this. I, ch I try to keep that beginner's perspective anytime I make a guide. So I'm like, OK, I'm just going to assume the person stumbling upon this video or this website has no idea what any of this stuff is. So let's start from there. And it, it makes my videos a little bit longer because I kind of have to go through every little thing every time. Uh, but I do think it's helpful. I'm not like assuming someone's watched 50 videos before that one. I agree. And you know, I could go and say for myself is that sometimes I do forget that people might not know everything about, you know, computers or Linux on there. They might not know how to get to the CLI. They might not know how to run um, Linux commands and such, you know, or right, SSH right. it to a device, you know, which you have to for the RG350. So I like that, that you keep that uh, perspective. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate that. So why don't we go ahead and... Uh, Unless you got something that you kind of want to just gush and talk about, uh, why don't we get started with our <laughs> um, with our questions? 
Yeah, I'm excited to jump into the questions. Let's do it. Now, last I did an AMA last week, and that one, I didn't read any of the questions ahead of time. I'll tell you, I did browse through them earlier today. So because a couple of them, I was like, oh, I need to look up a little bit of things before I start talking about it. So I'm glad I did that. Russ, tisk tisk tisk. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah, spoilers, but you're like the kid who's sneaking in, uh, who's looking at the presents, you know, looking at oh, the yeah. wrapping for the presents before Christmas. Yeah, we totally did that, especially if the box was shaped like a Nintendo box. Like, we full-on were going and opening those up. I mean, as a kid, you kind of also knew what, you know, if it's a box yeah. of clothes or if it's shaped like a, you know, like, the heavier stuff is the stuff that you really care about. Yeah, exactly. You know? My parents really wanted to mess with me. They just would have filled a box with rocks or something <laughs> heavy, and then you know just right. to mess with me. And then instead, it actually has clothes. Like, haha, surprise! Yeah, my parents used to do the whole box in a box thing. So you get this huge box, and you'd be like, oh, it's so great. And then it's like four boxes nestled in each one, you know. And you finally <laughs> get it, and it's like a pair of AA batteries, and you're like, ah, oh, ooh, ooh, <laughs> ooh, I, 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 mm, no, 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 no. My parents never did that to me. That's do they funny. do that to you? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I was one of five kids, so my, my mom, yeah, she was creative in coming up with a ways to trick us. So she would actually gift you AA batteries? Yeah, like, for example, so if we got, like, a Walkman for Christmas, we would get the batteries and then not know why, why the hell we got batteries. And then, like, at the end of the last present, you know, she'd be like, oh, let's, what's this one behind the tree or whatever? And that would actually be the one we wanted, and it would be, yeah, like a Walkman. So there's like a little go. hint she would like to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, okay. All right. That's better. Cause like if they just give you like batteries for Christmas on through, I'm like, <laughs> Ooh, you had a yeah. bad childhood. <laughs> Pace, oh. Come on. Uh, all right. Let's go ahead and let's get started. Yeah. So, uh, Kadama asks, what's your favorite handheld and software? I'm sure you've been asked this uh, a couple times. Yeah. So, if you watch any of my older videos, I, I say that the RG351P is my favorite, and I still love it, right? And it's still definitely up there. But I'll say, you know, over the past few weeks, uh, I've been playing with the RGB10 Max a lot, which is same chipset and everything as the RK3326. But it has a five-inch screen on it, and it has a decent build quality. It's not as good as the Ambernic, you know, in the hands at least. But it's that five-inch screen, man, I love it. And... On top of that, there is a firmware, a custom firmware available for it called RetroOS, and that's a fork of ArcOS, which is a fork of the Retro Arena, and uh, it's you know it's Linux based, just your typical like emulation station style menus and whatnot. But he's been curating everything in RetroOS specifically for this device in the Odrego Super. And I just love it, you know, like being able to have a five inch screen and it's 16 by nine, but because it has such thin bezels at the side, like I don't really mind having thick bezels when I'm playing something that's four by three, like I don't really mind it. And then when you do have a widescreen game, so for example, PSP, or if you do like a widescreen port of, say, Super Mario 64 or the Sonic uh, Android ports, you know, you do any of those ports, you put them on there. It's just amazing, you know, like Shovel Knight, all these different ones that have been ported over to this chipset are just amazing on the RGB 10 Max. And slow, and so slowly over time, instead of grabbing my 351P when I want it, I've been grabbing that RGB 10 Max. And I think maybe like a week ago, two weeks ago, I came to the conclusion that, yeah, this one's my favorite now. So in terms of hardware, it's the RGB 10 Max, and then software, it's that RetroOS, just because of how curated it is, specifically for that device. 
And, you know, it's kind of standing on the shoulder of, shoulders of giants in terms of that. You know, the Retro Arena was worked on a lot for the Odrigo Advance, and then that was forked off to um, Arc OS, and then that was a bunch of work was done for that for the RG351P. And so he's just kind of building on top of that, too. And so even though it's a new device and it's a new firmware, it's it's resting on a lot of work, like, you know, a good year and a half worth of work. And so for that, it's just pretty awesome. Yep. And and uh, just to follow up with that, so do you prefer so do you have an odroid go super i do yeah and um i love that too you know there's a lot of things i really like about that and uh you know i love the, the like diy nature of it all together you know i did a couple mods on it and just like you know added a heat sink and changed out the membranes for it and stuff and i really grew to love it you know um and the screen is really really nice on it too but it's just not very comfortable to play you know and it's as much as I want to force myself to play it, you know, my hands are saying something different. And so it has this tiny little D-pad and tiny little buttons, especially for being such a big device. And uh, the, the RGB 10 Max kind of fixes those two issues for me. And that's kind of, it pushed it over the edge for me, you know. Fair enough. Um, you know, one thing that I've not been a fan of, I like Hard Kernel's hardware. Yeah. I don't like their cases and I don't like their plastic. That's why I did not gravitate towards the Odroid Go Advance, mm -hmm. you know, the, or yep. the Black Edition or any of those, is because I did not like that, those cases. Um, I had the Odroid, uh, the Odroid XU4 with mm -hmm. the N64 game case that they have there, and I just yeah, did not yeah. like the plastic on that, even though it was really, even though the Odroid XU4, while old runs pretty well runs you know most of the stuff on there including retro arena which it's was originally built for which retro arena was built for it runs right. it very well but um i didn't like the, the build quality so i was curious what you thought about the build quality of like the case part itself the plastic itself on the super so i actually i there's two different models from the Odriga super there's like a dark gray one and there's a clear one so initially i bought the dark gray one because i thought well that's that's kind of a neat color and i got it and it has a grittiness to the plastic and almost like very lightly like sandpapery you know and i i grew to hate that feel like i didn't like it and and on top of that like the oils from my hands just smudged everywhere on it and so i ended up contacting a maradroid and saying hey do you happen just to have any spare clear cases and i can buy a case off you and so they they had a couple there and so they sold me one for like 20 bucks and i swapped that out and the, the clear one on the Odrigo Super is slick. It doesn't have any of that grittiness to it. And on top of that, you don't really see the oils from your hands because it's clear, right? And so when I switched over to the clear one, I was super happy. I ended up actually just sending that um, gray one to, to a Discord user and saying, hey, man, because he had asked for it. And I said, yeah, because he wanted to paint it. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not really into painting and stuff. And so he took that and I think he went and painted it. But I'm very happy with the clear one when I was very unhappy with the gray one. All right. Well, so so the clear, so the super has a kind of a clear, like acrylic, mm -hmm. almost. Okay. Yep. Exactly. And I, I kind of, you know, I kind of dig see through things. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people hate it. You know, but I, I like it. Like I just, I like it when a device feels like a mini computer. You know, I don't want to cover up any of that stuff. I just think it's kind of a marvel of technology to be able to even see it. You know, and a, another one that that comes up a lot is people ask, you know, about active cooling and whether or not you want to fan in a device. And 
I want one. Like, I like having a fan in the device because it feels like I'm holding a computer, you know? And to me, that's cool. Like, I, I don't mind it. And I don't mind the noise or any other stuff, you know? And so, I don't know. Maybe I'm just weird like that. But I like to see my components, and I like to feel like I'm holding a piece of technology. Okay. Well, that's good. That, you know, I, that was one of the questions on there, too. Someone asked about, you know, fans. Um, we yeah. may, you know, we may ask that again to go and get a little bit more yeah, uh, insight on that, but, uh, that'll be a little bit later. Um, sure. all right. So, uh, DeWong asks, and I, wow, I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, are we, are we ever going to get a new Raspberry Pi? Yeah. So, um, I'll tell you, I'm not a huge Raspberry Pi, like connoisseur. <laughs> I have one. I have, um, uh, Raspberry Pi 4 that I got, oh gosh, probably before all the retro handheld stuff came out. I, I watched an ETA Prime video where he had like overclocked one and I was like, oh, that sounds cool. So I bought one and then I, I you know, I did all the steps to overclock it and then I set it up as like a Steam Link box, basically. So that way I could play my computer emulated games on my TV in the living room. And I did that for a little bit and then I really haven't touched it since. And so that's really like the extent of my knowledge with, with Raspberry Pi. I don't really look it up much and stuff. Uh, so, yeah, no idea. Well, there are a couple of Raspberry Pi based handhelds. Uh, you know, you have yeah. the Pi Boy, you had um, the Pi, you know, some of the original uh, handheld like uh, DIY stuff where you had your own uh game what is it the pie girl setups the minty pies and all that so right none of those yeah so i actually uh i did a review with a pie boy dmg i got that one and i, I paid like 200 something bucks for it and they, they pre-assembled it for me and everything and uh i didn't really like it you know and um I, I appreciated what they did with it and stuff, but the ergonomics of it, I just wasn't ready to go back to the feel of a Game Boy DMG. Like, I, I don't have that nostalgia from that because I never owned an original Game Boy. Uh, and so that wasn't enough to push me over the edge where I, like, actually appreciated it to the point where I was going to actually use it. It looked amazing, right? And I loved, like, having it on my shelf, but I realized that I was never probably going to play it. Yeah, I actually do have that old nostalgia because I used to have one of those old Game Boy DMGs I had... Uh... I had that along with several of the good games. Uh, what? Um, Super Mario Land 2, Super Mario oh, yeah. Land, Wario Land, Wario That's Land awesome. 2, Ga Pokemon Yellow, Ga Kirby's Dreamland. Land. Um, Man, you had all the hits. I had a, I had a, I had a several, I had a lot of hits. Um, yeah. And then I had like some of the accessories too, like the uh, Game Boy battery pack, and then some of the not so great accessories, like the uh, Handy Boy, which is. Uh, I want to go say it was almost like a cancer, like a tumor on the uh, Game Boy. <laughs> so imagine this. So the one it does one thing that's great and everything else not great at all. So uh -huh. uh, just and I'll send you a picture later. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a, not the I remember there was like a magnifying glass thing for it. My friends oh. had that. Oh, yes, it had that. So what it did <laughs> is that this went over the top of your Game Boy came yeah. with uh and then two different like button overlays so it went on top of your buttons and then also gave a directional like a joystick that oh just moved over your your d-pad which i hated that so i didn't ever use that part <laughs> um two lackluster stereo speakers that folded out plugged into your game boys uh you know 3.5 millimeter jack uh-huh 
and the the magnifying glass along with a backlight. Now, the only good thing about that was the magnifying glass was arguably the magnifying glass, depends on if you like that or not, and the backlight. Now, mm. to power the backlight, it actually siphoned off power from the batteries. So you plug so you had these two like little terminal strips that went between like the left the the leftmost and rightmost uh AA batteries and mm-hmm. it just kind of like you know siphoned off power from that to go you know light up the light up the Game Boy. <laughs> that doesn't that didn't help me because I lost my battery pack uh battery cover from my Game yeah. Boy years ago and I exclusively played on the battery pack so you know, no double A batteries to use. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> needless that's to say, awesome, needless to say, that didn't last too long. But um, uh, what was your first? What was your first uh, Game Boy? Then you didn't have a Game Boy. No. So in 2005, I got a DS Lite and or a DS, and then I also got the PSP, and I think it was around that same time. And those were my first handhelds ever. You know, I just my you know, neighbors and stuff, they had Game Boys and whatnot, and I'd play those. Um, but yeah, I never had one growing up. And so maybe that's part of it for me is that kind of like envy that I had growing up. Um, I'm kind of recreating that every time I get a new handheld, you know, for me, it's it's funny. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, can it play GameCube yet and stuff like that? And and that's going to be awesome when we do have something that can play GameCube. But for me, it's like just playing a Nintendo game is pretty amazing still, you know? And so I'm like, Oh crap, it plays wizards and warriors. That's awesome. And so totally different, you know, but uh, maybe that's part of it. Cause I never owned one. I, I agree. You know, when I was younger, I was kind of jealous because there's some of the stuff I wanted, like some of those older model uh, emulator handhelds, mm-hmm. um, the game park GP 32s, you know about those, the game parks. No, I'm not familiar with that. They were kind of like uh, pre any of what we currently have now. But uh, yeah, they were kind of done in like the mid 2000s or so. Um, Sadly, sadly, Game Park's long gone. But uh, Mm -hmm. I I always wanted one. So but now I have them. Now I essentially have them with Ambernick and uh, my Ambernick and Game Force devices. So that's awesome. So uh, let's go ahead and get on to the next question. So. What handheld do you feel was the most daring or creative from a design standpoint, even if it didn't perform or operate well? And that that's from Perry Marshall. OK, yeah, it's a good question. Um, so I reviewed one that was called the Supbor Q400. And I saw this on a few listings, like on AliExpress and stuff. And it piqued my interest because on paper, it looked really compelling. You know, it uh, it's a landscape like device you know and it's it's kind of wide it had a four inch screen which number one i thought well that's pretty sweet and then two on the bottom of the device itself it had four usb a ports so you could plug in four controllers and it had an hdmi out and of all the the devices i had seen and it it was cheap too was i think it was only like 40 or maybe 60 bucks and when i first saw it i was like man if this thing can plug into a TV and you have your four controllers, this is like the first true hybrid device. Retroid Pocket 2 has HDMI out, you know, the RG350 did as well. But, you know, that four controller setup was really compelling to me. 
And so I, I bought it and uh, I got it and I was pretty excited about it. There were a couple weird design things about it as well. Like, for example, both analog sticks were above the D-pad and the face button. So they were both on top as opposed to like both down below or offset like you typically would see. So that was kind of weird and it ends up not being very fun to use. Uh, but the device itself actually really sucks. Like it's it's powerful enough to play like up to PS1 for the most part. Um, but the software itself, like it had no ability to... Uh, do any sort of setting changes. You could not even change the aspect ratio of the games, and they all played at full screen. So everything looked squished because it was a 16 by 9-ish display. And so that was a really big letdown. And also, I couldn't figure out a way to actually load my own game collection on there. I was literally stuck with what they had on there. And so uh, it was just super disappointing, you know, just from a performance and then just kind of how it all fell out. But at the time, I was like, man, this might be actually like a hidden treasure here. And uh, it sure was not, but it was pretty fun to try it out. Yeah, sometimes you get a diamond in the rough, and then sometimes it's just, you know, um, a polished turd. Yeah, it, yeah. it happens. Um, and we're going to go on to another question, though. And... CD asks, if you were to expand beyond uh, single board computers and retro ga handheld gaming, what kind of things would you want to cover? Ah, oh, that's a good question. So I think I would still stick with retro gaming in general and probably emulation as well. I think those things like I don't want to stray too far from that when it comes to just kind of the the channel that I've created at this point. Um, but I have been expanding a little bit, so I've been getting a little bit into like phone-based gaming and stuff, just to kind of show alternatives. And sometimes I do those things just to really help solidify the case that retro handheld gaming and you know SBC and stuff like that are actually the way to go. You know, um, I'm not sure if I'm really going to expand more, but you know, if I was, I think it would be along those retro gaming lines. So maybe modding like. Uh, some more modern devices. So, for example, like I've been tempted to get like one of the newer Xboxes because you have that developer ability now that you can actually unlock a developer account and then do emulation on it and stuff like that. So those kind of things I'm kind of interested in, but I definitely think I will stick in the emulation space altogether, no matter what. And that's and that's a great idea because a lot of people, you know, and some people you actually forget this, uh, you know, Android handhelds. Man, Android phones and tablets are still technically single board computers, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people now are gaming on them. Um, I hate touchscreen gaming. If I'm going to go and play like a retro game, I'm not going to play mm -hmm. it on my touchscreen. I'm yep. going to add in a controller, uh, an external controller. And I'm not the biggest fan of Android for some gaming stuff due to input lag for some for some things. Mm -hmm. Yep, I but, totally agree. But sticking with uh, emulation, though, that's a that's a good uh, that's a good uh, place to that's a good place to stick with because it's a broad topic. You can branch out and still remain true to what you're doing. Yeah, I don't ever see myself getting into like the hardware world where I'm going to like buy cartridges and do that kind of stuff. You know, like that's just. I, to be honest, I don't have the space or the means to do that kind of stuff. You know, I live in Hawaii where, you know, it's very 
kind of small population all stuck on one island. So the resale market for things like that, like a, an NES cartridge, are ridiculous here because there's not that many to go around, right? There's no there's no like swap meet where some old grandpa has his garage where he hasn't looked in there forever. Like those things don't exist here in Hawaii. And so because of that, you're never going to find like a garage sale deal or anything else like that. And so I don't think I'll ever get into that kind of stuff, you know, and same thing with like arcade cabinets. Like I don't have the space for that. Like, hey, I let the reason why you only see my hands and my videos is because I don't I like my my desk is literally like in our storage room. You know, like if I was to show my face, you would also see all of the boxes that surround me every day as I'm like working on stuff. So I just don't have the space to really expand for some of those other things that are really interesting to me. But I just, yeah, probably not gonna be able to get to it. Not even like a pie cade. You know, it's a pretty small. Yeah. So I, I think I can do that. I could probably do tabletop, you know, um, I just got to and my wife really wants to get one, something like that. She really wants like a coffee table style one. Um, so maybe someday I'll do that. But I mean, to be to be honest, like I don't even have the tools or the ability. Like I don't have a garage to do like woodworking in to like build my own arcade cabinet. Like I don't have any of those things here. And so uh, we're really just going to have to probably wait until we move somewhere else at some point. You think you'll move somewhere outside of Hawaii? Oh, yeah. So I'm I'm in the military. I've been in for 21 years, so we move all the time. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Yeah. So I've been I've lived in Hawaii for almost 10 years off and on, you know, over the past 21 years. Uh, but yeah, we've spent a lot of time other places as well. And I, I assume, you know, in the next few years, we'll move away as well. Well, I mean, I always I also always respect someone who's served. So thank Thanks. you. Yeah. Yeah, no worries. Um, all right, so we'll go. I guess we'll move on to the next question. Yeah. So let's see. Da, 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 da. So uh, Perry Marshall asks again uh, another question. Uh, Nintendo has someone has somewhat accepted saving retro games on their own terms with the NES and SNES minis along with the NES and SNES game services on the Switch. Sega has done this as well with the Genesis Mini, and Sony's, and um, I would also go and say they also did it with the Game Gear Mini as well, and Sony's done this with their PlayStation Classic. However, the games available on these systems are limited. Do you think this means that companies see ROMs and emulators as viable ways to save their older, older media? And do you see them making expansions to the games available to those devices or services in the future? Oh, that's a good one. So um, I just, you know, I'm definitely not a spokesperson for Nintendo in any way, but I would be shocked if they were to say, hey, here's an ability to add new games to the Super Nintendo or Nintendo Mini. You know, like, I, I just don't see that happening. You know, um, I, what I expect is probably five years from now, they're going to re-release another one that's very similar to the the ones we already have. Uh, but with maybe an expanded catalog and they're going to charge us full price all over again. I mean, I don't know how many times I've bought Nintendo games from Nintendo uh, in various ways. You know, the Wii Virtual Console, uh, buying them on the 3DS store, you know, things like that. The, the NES Mini, all these things, right? Uh, they're they're not honoring like whether or not we've already paid for that game or whether or not, you know, we've... You know, not to mention that I bought the cartridges back in the day as well. And so... I don't see that changing, you know. Uh, I think Sony is definitely never going to get back into these mini things again after what happened with the PlayStation Classic, uh, just in terms of you know how poorly it, it performed. And who knows with Sega? You know, Sega's the one who 
they don't have anything to do but to win, right? Because they they have all this IP, um, they still have all their copyright stuff, and they can they can license it wherever they want and however they want. And I think that gives them a lot of flexibility because they're not tied to any sort of hardware. And so I'd be more interested to see what Sega ends up doing in the future. I do not think that any of these companies are thinking of this as like a way of preserving their games. I think they've got them all on lockdown. They got the files off in you know Fort Knox somewhere. Um, I, I I still think they think of the retro scene as kind of opposition to them, not realizing that we are we're kind of doing their jobs for them in some ways, you know. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, and in my opinion, I I agree, you know, with the and uh, with Nintendo's with uh, your thoughts on Nintendo because Nintendo's very lawyer, you know, will lawyer up and uh, you know start suing you if you do anything with their consoles. Uh, a lot yeah. of people who are modding switches and such like that, they went out, they go after them very hard. So that doesn't shock me. I will, I do respectfully disagree about the NES and SNES Mini because there were actually messages uh, locked inside of the code when you mm-hmm. start, you know, when people were hacking the NES and SNES Minis that uh, it mentioned something about like the, so um, it's like the Hanafuda Masters. You know, it's just like, we know you're here, you know, but enjoy, make sure you enjoy the product. So they knew that people were going to go and mess with these devices. <laughs> they knew cool. it. Um, yeah. And it's a great, and also, just for a little bit of history, Nintendo originally was uh, started out making Hanafuda, Hanafuda cards in right. Japan. So that's their history. So that's why the Hanafuda, uh, for anyone yeah. listening who didn't know. Yeah, so we uh, so Hanafuda is really big here in Hawaii because uh, there's a large Japanese population. My wife's family is Japanese, and so we play with different rules than the original ones. But yeah, like Hanafuda, like is a is a big deal here. It's kind of cool. Yeah, Nintendo actually had some some of their old. Um, they actually even licensed out you know high end properties like Disney back in the '60s and such, making these cards, um, and. Uh, Going with uh, Sega, though, Sega doesn't surprise me at all because they've been doing the same thing, licensing out their IP uh, to go and put, you know, ROMs on devices for years. You know, a lot of the ad game consoles, uh, you know, the Genesis Mini was like when they actually, in my opinion, tried, like where they Mm -hmm. took the reins and actually did some good work on it. Because yeah. some of the at games, uh, you know, hand, console things or handouts, they're bad. They're, they're just yeah. the build. The build quality's bad. The emulation's poor. Um, and and I feel like they didn't really try on them. Yeah, you know I, mean? I can totally see that. Yep. Yeah, and uh, I do also. I do agree with Sony though. Sony's gonna probably yeah, is probably given up. They're not gonna do a PlayStation Classic again. Um. But I do see the I do see Nintendo doing another um, another mini. Maybe they'll do a Game Boy mini. I mean, they just did two. You know, they've been doing the uh, for the for the Mario and the uh, Zelda 35th anniversaries. They did those uh, Game and Watch systems. Yeah. You know, which just play you know a couple a handful of NES games and act as a clock. Yeah, sixty bucks. And they got their money's back. Like I, that's it's amazing how well they did with those. They they know how to go market. Yeah. Um. So, I guess we'll get on to another question. But I mean, I just thought that you know Perry's question was great. Yeah, it's a great question. Um. So, 
uh, EVPKR, uh, I'm not even going to try to go and pronounce that, but uh, says Pi Zero Two, Electric Pi Galoo? Question mark. <laughs> yeah, so, I think that's a. I'm looking at. I think it's a response to to DeWong's question about whether or not we're going to get a new Raspberry Pi. And, yeah, who knows? And I do think we're due for a new sort of Pi W soon enough. Um, there are a lot more. There's a lot more competition now in that scene. I mean, uh, you know, I've been hearing things about this R- R- Redaxa. Um, Pi uh, Pi Zero uh, size device that blows the Pi Zero out of the water. You know, it's a That's quad awesome. core and stuff yeah. like that. So, um, you know, Raspberry, you know, the Raspberry Pi Foundation, they got their work cut out for them. Yeah, I, you know, they got a leg up because they they're all, all these small computers are always going to be associated with Raspberry Pis. You know what I mean? Like, oh, what type of Raspberry Pi is that? You know, it's like a it's going to be a common name, I think, in the future, kind of like Kleenex, you know, hey, pass me a Kleenex, even though it's a different brand, you know. And so uh, I think that that's one of the things that they'll always have is that novelty, which means that um, that household name will carry through to the masses. When they want to buy a small computer, they're going to Google the words Raspberry Pi, and that's going to give them an advantage. I, You know what? I agree with that. And that's because uh, they, they already have the install base. They have the... Uh... And because they have the install base, they have also most, you know, a lot of people working on the Raspberry Pi devices primarily. And that's where most of the support's coming from. So I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, a lot of people, you know, um, you you mind if I go and tell a little story? Yeah, do it. So one of the things, one of the ways, uh, so someone I've met, you know, the person who's currently helming the retro arena. Uh, I, so Slamander, um, I met him and he actually works, uh, on what's called rot and no, that's no folks. That's not rise of the triad, which is a great game. Uh, (laughs) but it stands for retro pie on the tinker board. The Asus tinker board was a raspberry Pi device, uh, raspberry Pi like size device, uh, single board computer that was superior to the raspberry Pi, at least around the three B, uh, timeframe. Um, but I, I, you know, it was more expensive, and that's also not going to go and really help it and help the Tinker board. But I don't think that it really got the sort of love that it needed. Um, and you have your hard kernel devices, the Retro Reno, which again, Slamander is currently working on, mm-hmm. uh, which was which ArcOS was forked uh, from. Um, and the Retro Arena started out as the Odroid Retro Arena for the XU4, which was, you know, again, a way to go and build a RetroPie for other devices. And a lot of times I think I like the Retro Arena more than I like RetroPie. And I'm actually going to say something shocking. I think that RetroPie, for some of the features that it needs, that it has right now, I think that it's being eclipsed by stuff like Recalbox. Have you used Recalbox or mess with that? Have, yeah. I, yeah. Between that and like you know even things like Botticera and stuff, you yeah. can just tell how much care has gone into kind of the aesthetic part of things and just the experience overall. Yes. And that goes a long way. You know, uh, when I when I pick up RetroPie, like for example on the Pi Boy DMG, uh, it feels like 
a little janky still, like it's not user-friendly in some ways. Mm. And so just things like the fonts and the text, all these little things that, uh, that a real design team really kind of takes time to look at. I think they've got that in recall box as well as with Batasera. And I think that's a really good advantage. I agree. And they've, and recall box and Batasera, they add in quality of life improvements. Yeah. So one of the biggest things for me, um, is okay it's a pain it's a pain in the rear to go and transfer roms over to re- to retropie you either got to load them up on a usb stick mm-hmm. and then uh plug it in or you got to go and use your smb or ssh so you got to go and use your smb sif share uh from your computer which mm-hmm. you're at the mercy of the network speed and yep. i don't like that but you know what i can go and do with recalbox now they 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 set it up so that they make a partition that's readable by Windows machine, and I could go and just drop my SD card into my computer, or uh, you know SSD if you're using that method, um, and drop in the ROMs just like so, you yeah. know and and like why isn't RetroPie doing this? Why don't we have this with RetroPie? Um, yeah, exactly. And yep. another another feature I really liked is uh, Recalbox has uh, support for the light gun games, and they make it easy to use like a Mayflash uh, Dolphin Bar mm-hmm. uh, and a yep. Wiimote to go and start playing some old um, light gun games. Now you're not it's not send in light gun, but I mean if you want to go play a little bit of Duck Hunt, it's great. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And they make it easy out of the box. The on the on the other side on the other hand though those devices you know those uh, images those builds are not as customizable you know yes I can go and easily put in my my Wi-Fi password in Recal Box because they allow me to do it in it within an emulation station with a non-screen keyboard but it's also not as uh, expandable you know i can't add in a whole bunch of extra new stuff right uh which you know makes it better for beginners and people who just want to go and play but you know people who want to tinker yeah you don't get as much uh you know freedom but um they they just put in so much more i think quality of life improvements that i've just started continually recommending recal box over retropie yeah, no, I think it's a good call. You know, the, the thing about Recall Box in particular, you know, um, you know, it's, they have an image, for example, that works on the Odrigo Super, and it it works well. You know, and it is like you're mentioning. You know, it is plug and play. It's very handy just to have around, but it's not fully optimized for that chipset in the sense that uh, on the other firmwares, you know, for example, you know, uh, RetroWAS and and even Emulec, they're so tailored to that chipset that they I think I lost you there. Hey there, you back? Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, one second. Let me. I'm actually. I, we lost internet altogether at the house, so I'm. I'm back on my cell phone here, real quick. Let me switch okay. over to Bluetooth. Okay. How do I sound now? Sound good. Uh, I okay. mean, not not nearly as good as you were on your probably more professional recording, but. Yeah, sorry. So this is one of the things about living in Hawaii, too, is the internet is just terrible here. So, you know, that's why we don't have Google Stadia here is because the internet's so bad here. 
You know what? I gotta go and start playing with my Google Stadia because I have a Shield TV now. Actually, I could probably just load Stadia on it. Oh yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, I love the Shield TV. By the way, best purchase. I purchased one in 2015. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I got but... one. But... Uh, you keep breaking up there a little bit, Russ. Okay, how about now? That's better. Better now? Okay, yeah, yeah I had to go outside. <laughs> okay. Sorry, everyone. I think that they're okay. Okay. Cool. <laughs> All right. So let's continue on. Um, and hopefully, if your internet does come back, you get to move back over to the other, you know, to your main computer. Um, yeah. All right. So uh, Jay Panda asks. Oh, hang on. Uh, I think the last question we had was about the retro games uh, from uh, Nintendo. Is that correct? Yep. All right. Yeah, good. sounds right. Yeah. And uh, Perry Perry asks uh, one more, uh, another question. What was the moment that inspired you to make your YouTube channel? Was it a moment in a game, a piece of gaming hardware, or just something you always wanted to do? So uh, that's a good question, too. I... So I, you know, I, I mentioned before, my first device was the RG three fifty, and um, you know, there was there was a moment when I first got it, and I was like, I kind of didn't like it. You know, it was it was to use, and it didn't make sense to me. And I never really used any sort of Linux based uh, device before or anything. Um, but I see the simple menu uh, so it created this kind of front end for RG three fifty. It basically simplified the whole browsing experience. And that was like when I first got that set up, like that day I was, I talked to my wife and I was like, you know what? I should do like a proper guide of on this. And if I do a guide, then I'm going to need a website to have that guide. And so I should start a website. And so sure enough, that was like that moment where I was like, this thing is so cool. I really enjoy this experience so much that I want to share it with others and I'm going to make a website. And that's kind of how it all started about a year ago. Well, that's good on there. I, I've not played with Simple Menu. I just use the Rogue firmware on my RG350. Uh, but I know Simple mm-hmm. Menu was a big, you know, it was a big way to, to go and simplify and make a, it a bit friendlier to use. So, uh, but yeah. that's good. You know, yeah, so. you're breaking up a little bit more, Russ. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, you think you got sorry, your internet man. back up? Let me, uh, let me go with real yeah. quick yeah we'll go take usually, a, usually happens on the weekends for us so. yeah we'll go take a we'll take a little bit of a break and that's the end of part one we'll be adding in part two next week uh same time and after that we have the interview with slamger which was if you want to hear the whole thing it was uh three hours so <laughs> um we'll break that up into three parts and uh if you guys want to go and hear anything, you know, any other news or anything else from us, please write in. Uh, contact at sbcgaming.net. Visit us on the Discord or the subreddit and just chat with us. So I'll be leave, letting you guys go and hope to see you guys back for next week for part two of our interview with Russ from Retro Game Corps.